This is the KOTO Community Radio News for Monday, December 12th. I'm Julia Caulfield. In today's headlines, Mountain Village looks to readdress homes, G is for Government previews Telluride Town Council, community conversations provide a safe space for tough topics, and a mountain weather forecast. But first, Norwood lost a member of its community over the weekend. Robert Norman was found deceased in his bed in his Norwood home on Sunday evening. He was 71 years old. According to the San Miguel County Coroner's Office, friends asked the sheriff's office to check on Norman when they couldn't get in touch. The day before, he had stated he was not feeling well. Crippen Funeral Home will attend to services. The case is under investigation. Norman is survived by his siblings, Ned, Jeff, and Susan. Also on Sunday, Bradley McKillen of Ridgeway died while cross-country skiing at Priest Lake. He was 61 years old. Another skier found McKillen lying on the track and went for help. Others soon arrived and started performing CPR. EMS arrived roughly 25 minutes later and continued CPR but were unsuccessful. McKillen's wife was also skiing but waiting for him at the parking lot when EMS arrived. Crippen Funeral Home will attend to services. The case is under investigation. McKillen is survived by his brother, Stephen, his parents, Jim and Catherine, and his wife, Monica. If you live in Mountain Village, you may soon be getting a new address. This has been a known ongoing issue. Um, this isn't one of the more sexy topics to talk about, but it's well needed. That's Mountain Village Chief of Police Chris Brody speaking before Mountain Village Town Council last week. The problem, boiled down, is the order or disorder of house numbers in the village. If you think about just Main Street USA, you've got Main Street and you've got 1st, 2nd, and 3rd Street. And if you're looking for 301, you don't expect it to be between 1st and 2nd Street. And that's kind of where we're at with some of our addresses right now. Now, while this may seem like a silly quirk or inconvenience when you're looking for your friend's home, Heather Woodland, GIS Director for San Miguel County, notes it can have serious consequences for first responders. So you've got kind of two things going on here. You've got the responder on the ground trying to find an address that's out of order, and you've got a a dispatcher looking at their map and they're not finding the right address. So it kind of compounds the problem. And according to Chief Brody, the Mountain Village Police Department has felt those challenges. I don't want to be melodramatic about it, but um, we did have a intruder in a home um, and the home was not in sequential order and mapping where you would expect to find it. And we couldn't find that house. And and that I mean, that's and, and my job and John's job. Those seconds really do matter. Brody adds the challenge has increased as Mountain Village sees a building surge over the past several years. Woodland adds there are several ways to address an area appropriately. If you're heading down a single road with homes on both sides, a fishbone formation makes the most sense. It uses a measurement along the road based on the address number. And if the addresses are odd and even on opposite sides and in sequential order, the dispatcher can help the person, the responder find the address appropriately. Obviously, a looping road or cul-de-sac will require a different formation. Woodland notes Adams Ranch Road in the Meadows is a good example of numbering gone wonky. As it stands, if you're driving down into the Meadows, you'll see 304 Adams Ranch Road, then 306, 
then 302, before getting to 308. In order to make the mapping work, you have to have Adams Ranch Road on the map three times um, and manipulate the data so that it finds 302 and 308, which are after 304 and 306. Mountain Village planner Amy Ward adds, buildings in clustered formations should have their own numbers. Um, The way we're addressed currently, there's a number of situations where there are multiple buildings represented by the same address. So, um, you know, even if we're all in the same development, each building should have a unique identifier and that doesn't exist today. But when you plug an address into a GPS, even if the numbers aren't in order, the program will still likely get you where you need to go without too much fuss. So what's the issue? Woodland says, in short, Google is better than dispatch. Google has the smartest algorithm people around and the dispatch software is not as smart. Um, it expects the numbers to conform to a certain model. And when they don't, it, it doesn't come up with the right answer. So, I mean, that's, it's just not as, it's not as advanced as something like Google. And Google uses multiple data sources, and we only have our roads and addresses to use. According to staff, approximately 20% of homes in Mountain Village will need to be renumbered, and they recognize it's not a small ask. Honestly, this is a pain to our homeowners. I mean, they have to change utilities, they have to change mailing, they have to change billing. Um, It's a lot of work on our side, and then it will be on our citizen side as well. But I think at the end of the day, it's just worth that that effort to get this done. Ward notes, given the situation, they want to make the process as easy for residents as possible. What I'm envisioning is something like basically, you know, staff preparing the entire packet of this is exactly what you need to do. These are the things you need to sign. Here's an envelope with a stamp on it that gets mailed to this place. I mean, maybe maybe that's unrealistic, but the goal would be to um, to have staff on the front end do so much to make it easy for our homeowners because we know this is a process that ultimately isn't, you know, isn't the easiest. Some people really love their traditional address and and that's going to be a difficult change for them. Town Council supported staff to move forward with readdressing. Staff plans to develop a work plan for moving forward with the project. To complete it, it could take several years. And Chief Brody notes that's just for the residential area of Mountain Village. The village core, he says, should come next. Telluride Town Council is meeting on Tuesday and construction on the Shandoka parking lot, the Voodoo Housing Project, and the Heart Process are on the docket. In this installment of G is for Government, Council Member Geneva Shawnet shares what to expect. Geneva, thanks for joining for another installment of G is for Government. I'm so happy to be back in studio. Town Council is back on Tuesday with your meeting, um, starting with starting a little bit later in the morning and then starting with an executive session. So by the time you're open to the public, it's going to be a little bit later in the morning with a pretty big item that you're going to be discussing. So what's that going to be talking about? Yeah, so our first public work session is at 11 a.m., and we are going to be discussing the Lot L Feasibility Study and Conceptual Plan. So this is basically a project um, that the Telluride Housing Authority Subcommittee has been working on for the past couple of months uh, with a, a consultant team. And it's basically reimagining what we can do on the Shandoka parking lot to help 
uh, alleviate uh, some of the town's parking struggles as well as provide some affordable housing and a better transit hub for the town. You said it's the conceptual feasibility study element. So kind of where recognizing that the process could always, you know, be stopped kind of at any point, but where where does this element kind of fit into a potential process if this were to go forward to be developed? Yeah, so uh, this is a great question. It's basically conce- uh, conceptual plan and feasibility is is basically examining what our goals are and then working with a consultant team to really dial into what is possible. And that includes, you know, how tall could it be? How dense can it be? How much uh, floor area can it take up? How many parking spots does that turn into? What does this mean for um, traffic in that region of town? And it's it's not really drilling deeply into all of these um, questions, but more of a general conceptual view of what can we do with this space? Um, and, you know, this is the first time that the full town council will be hearing this presentation and seeing uh, the job that the consultant team has done putting together different views of what things could look like. If this uh, conceptual plan gets approved, then we would go into the development plan stage, um, which would involve uh, more deep dives into all of these uh, options and really dialing into the budget and seeing, you know, what kind of a timeline we could be working with on this project. So that's the that'll be the whole morning, that discussion. Yep. And then there's a couple different things scattered throughout the afternoon that listeners might be interested in. Can you just kind of give a, a rundown of what those will be? One of the other things we're going to be voting on is updates to the land use code that will streamline the HARC application process. So basically changing some of the um, standards and regulations for what construction applications need to go through HARC at what level based on whether they're inside or outside the historic landmark district, which will hopefully shorten our backlog of HARC applications, which we're very excited about. Um, Next, we'll be talking about the Telluride Housing Authority subcommittee will be recommending to town council Um, moving forward with the Voodoo uh, project. Um, We've got a guaranteed maximum price negotiated with the construction team. Um, We have a final design, and it's basically uh, asking town council to authorize all of the bonding and um, approval to move forward with construction of this project. And just as a quick recap, Voodoo is the lot that used to be the skate park over by um, the post office. The design includes 27 units of affordable housing from one bedrooms up to four bedroom, uh, some commercial space, public bathrooms, and a location for the new free box. Of course, there's always some interesting things that can come up in council updates or the manager's report. Namely, there there might be an interesting conversation there this week. What is that going to be talking about? Yeah, so during the manager's report, um, and we do this annually, we are having a special event season debrief. So um, Stephanie Jacquet from the Parks and Rec Department and Scott Robson will be taking us through sort of a recap of all of the events that occurred, larger events that occurred in town or on town property and their attendance and uh, how they went, impact on town, that's impact on the parks. And um, just sort of a, a chance for us to get on the same page moving forward. And I think just a great opportunity for anybody um, to see sort of what what's going on for next year because the case calendar is also finalized. 
Well, Geneva, thanks so much for coming in and we'll see you on the airwaves and on Zoom or however, however people are tuning in for Town Council on Tuesday. All right, we'll see you tomorrow. Sometimes some of the most important topics of conversation are also the hardest. But the Wilkinson Public Library is offering a space to make the tough conversations, hopefully, a little easier. We've um, heard a lot of feedback from our community that there's a real need to connect people with questions about needed resources with concrete resources and with professionals who can provide those resources. So obviously that's very broad. That's Joanna Spindler, Adult Program Specialist at the Wilkinson Public Library. This week, the library is kicking off a community conversation series to discuss topics that might be a little uncomfortable and provide resources for support. This first one will be focusing on mental health and substance use disorder. The January conversation will discuss sex education for parents. And then upcoming topics are advocacy against sexual assault and harassment, community diversity, equity and inclusion, and LGBTQIA plus conversations. The conversations will take place in two parts. The first will be a presentation on the topic from experts in the area. So I hope that the first part is a toolbox of really, really good takeaway things. People can take someone's card, some someone's website, someone's phone number, and literally utilize their services the next day. The second half will be a Q&A for those in attendance. Claudia Garcia-Curcio, Latinx outreach specialist at the library, says a major part is feeling solidarity with the community. You know, you can have community members come in and be like, oh, you know, I'm dealing with this with my kid or myself. Like, I'm meeting somebody else and you don't feel alone. And so then you have those resources. There will be simultaneous Spanish interpretation for the event. Garcia-Curcio adds that's an important element. For me, I've always wanted to see a room full of like different identities, different languages coming together and be like, just because we don't speak the same language, we're still having the same issues. And how do we come together as a community to support each other? So that's, I think, for me is the biggest to kind of like come together um, as a community and give the correct, right resource and all of us be kind of on the same page and support each other. I think collaboration is key mm-hmm. through any hard conversation. There will also be dinner and childcare. Spindler says however individuals want to participate, that's the right way. People don't have to talk. Like People are invited to, to talk to each other. But if you also want to just come and sit quietly and hear what's available to you, we also have a ton of handouts. We have books you can check out. We have podcast recommendations for you. We have therapists whose cards you can take. The idea is that there's a realm of different ways people can interact with it because these are hard topics. And the idea is that this just becomes a place where people can start. And if you want to talk and if you want to be really conversant about it, cool. If you just want to come and sit and eat dinner and listen and take away a flyer or a podcast to listen to or somebody's card that you can reach out to later, also totally cool. The first community conversation will take place on Tuesday, December 13th at 5.30 p.m. at the library. The topic of conversation will be mental health and substance use disorder. In the dark winter months, it's important to get your chuckles on. This week, The Fig, a group encouraging local artists and artistically inclined members of the community to try something new, is hosting a comedy workshop. 
Local comedian and Fig co-creator Miranda Beck will be leading. I'm not what I would call professional, but I was just going to share my own strategy of how I prepare myself to get up on stage. Beck notes this workshop will have a holiday slant, but she says that doesn't mean it has to be Christmas. In our opinion, a holiday can be anything that you want to celebrate from your past, no matter if it's in the calendar or not. The workshop is a lead-up to a holiday comedy show on December 21st, but Beck adds you don't need to perform to succeed at the workshop. There's no um, pressure to ever perform, even at workshop. I mean, I strongly encourage that you could get up and talk um, in front of just you know a handful of people that are going to be at the workshop because we're all going to be feeling pretty similarly and we'll get some chats and icebreakers out first. So we feel a little more comfortable to talk to people that are fresh friends, not necessarily strangers, but (laughs) maybe you just met. Jackie Garcia, co-creator of The Fig, adds the workshop is a great opportunity to surround yourself with fellow creatives. The workshops are a great space to try something out for the first time, to get involved with The Fig if you don't really know what it is and you want to Um, you know, talk with us and see what it's all about. And also to prepare yourself if you do want to perform, not even just in our shows, but anywhere in the future. It's a great space to be around like-minded people and bounce ideas. Those who would like to perform at the comedy show can reach out to The Fig on Instagram at thefigtelluride or email thefigtelluride at gmail.com. The Fig Comedy Workshop will take place this Wednesday, December 14th from 6 to 8 p.m. at the Telluride Arts District headquarters. The comedy show will take place on December 21st at 9 p.m. at the Ride Lounge. Victims of last month's mass shooting at Club Q in Colorado Springs will speak before the U.S. House of Representatives on Wednesday. The House Oversight Committee is hosting them for a hearing about violence and threats against the LGBTQ community. NBC News reports the committee will hear from two survivors, Club Q bartender Michael Anderson and patron Jason Slaw. The hearing and the shooting follow a rise in anti-LGBTQ legislation, hate crimes, and political rhetoric. The city of Denver continues to use an emergency shelter to accommodate an influx of migrants. As KOTO's Lucas Brady-Woods reports, authorities are looking for help from community groups. Over 150 migrants were staying at the city's emergency shelter over the weekend, and about 50 others were relocated to a church-run site. Denver set up the emergency shelter last Tuesday after a large group of migrants from Central and South America showed up by bus. More migrants arrived throughout the week and over the weekend, with about 50 more last night. Migrant arrivals in the city have been increasing. Officials anticipate more to come and are calling on local organizations to provide additional shelter space. Some migrants are leaving shelters to reunite with families or friends already living here. There is no indication that these arrivals are politically motivated or facilitated by any government entities. I'm Lucas Brady-Woods in Denver. The National Weather Service forecast for the western San Juans calls for snow showers tonight with a low around 10 degrees. Snow accumulation of about an inch is possible. Tuesday, there's a 70% chance of snow showers with a high near 20 degrees and a low around 10. Two to five inches of snow accumulation is possible. Winds could gust as high as 25 miles per hour. Wednesday, expect mostly cloudy skies with a chance of snow showers and a high in the mid-20s. Wednesday night should be partly cloudy with a low around 5 degrees. This has been the news for Monday, December 12th. Thanks for listening. If you have a story idea or a news tip, call the news team at 970-728-3206.